Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and my co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Michael, what I want to know to start things off, what's your favorite part of doing this podcast? Oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared. Um, my favorite part, I think, is just meeting incredible people across the globe of who we get to interview, who has said yes to us, and who is wanting to further God's kingdom, and just link arms, and obviously I get to do it with you. So that is my favorite part. Yeah, isn't it fun to <clears throat> just have great conversations, and like you said, link arms, and just see also how incredibly helpful people have found this as a resource mm-hmm. and just every week to see new comments and ratings and reviews and subscriptions like people our prayer is that people uh, find as much joy out of these as we do creating them well and with that just how can people get more involved if they're just tuning in maybe for the first time how can they take it to the next level with us i'd say two simple things the first thing is um leaving a rating, leaving a a rating or a review that's honest, that will help people find it. It'll help us reach more people with the message of young adults today. And then the second thing is share it. If you know somebody who's a college ministry leader, young adult pastor, um, maybe they're on the campus or at a local Mm -hmm. church, um, share this episode with them. We we pray that they'll find it helpful. That's so awesome. And Josiah, I don't want to take any more of our time because we have an awesome guest that is waiting for us to be introducing them. So I know that your hands are full right now but I want you to introduce who is on the other side of this conversation. For sure. This is going to be so good. We're jumping in season four, episode 12, hosting Matthew Hernandez. And Matthew is the next-gen pastor over Young Adult Ministries at Gateway Church. Come on, somebody. SLK Campus in South Lake, Texas. And so, Matthew, how are you doing today? I am doing so well. Guys, I am honored to be here and hanging out with you guys. This is so fun. Well, we are so excited that you have said yes to our invitation and we just look forward to see what is going to happen during this podcast and during this little interview that we get to do with you. So, love it. Can I kick us off, Josiah? You go right ahead. For sure. Matthew, I think for us and for the listeners today, it, it would be awesome to just dive into you, to dive into your story. Right. Um, so, can you just share your, your journey of life and faith and leadership and family um, with us today? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. Uh, well, first, I, like I said, honored to be with you guys and, and hanging out with you. A little bit about myself is, again, my name is Matthew. I'm 35 years old. been married to uh, my best friend, Brittany, for going on 12 years now. You got Ooh, no way. I know. It's insane. <laughs> I'm like, I always, I'm like, 10 years, 11. Oh my gosh, we're going on 12 years. You look years. like you're 25, so I don't think you got married at age 12. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, that's going to be like the, my new Twitter bio. I look like I'm 25. There you uh, go. Take it. <laughs> Listen, it, 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 when it's starting out in youth ministry, it would drive me, it would used to drive me crazy how young people thought I was because they thought I was a student. And so I take kids on mission trips and like, Hey, who's the youth pastor here? And I'd be like that, that, that would be, that'd be me. They're like, you, you look like a child. Um, but now that I'm 35, it's working uh, in my favor. In your favor. So I, I will take it. So <laughs> yeah, we've got three kids. Uh, our oldest Parker Gray, she's nine. Then we have uh, a seven-year-old Sloan Renee. Uh, she's our, she's our, we, we don't, we don't, we stay away from our middle child. We say she's our youngest daughter. There and you then go. We have my son, Roman Jude, who is four years old and they are a handful and they're so much fun. 
uh, and we're loving it. Uh, we're, we're, we're loving life. But um, yeah, a little about me. I'm the, I'm the next-gen pastor at, at Gateway Church's Southlake campus, and so I oversee our kids' ministry, our student ministry, and our young adult ministry. I'm really hands-on with our young adult ministry. Uh, we've got phenomenal student pastors and, and, and a children's pastor, so I'm more so in, in the weeds with our young adult ministry, which I absolutely love. Um, I've been at Gateway Church now for going on, well, actually, it's been six years, so going on seven years uh, come October. Uh, started doing ministry in California, where I'm from originally. I was born and raised in California, and I started in ministry at 18 at an inner city uh, church called the Los Angeles Dream Center with Matthew and Tommy Barnett, and it was a dream come true. Uh, starting there at 18 years old, those guys really, just, they took a shot, at, a, a, a chance on me, really. They gave me they gave me opportunity, and I'm so grateful uh, for just kind of learning and like cutting my teeth in ministry with hands-on ministry in the inner city with them. Uh, and then that led me to to being over here in, in Texas and doing ministry here with my family. Never did I think that I'd be doing ministry in Texas, and never did I think that I'd be loving it so much in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's phenomenal. So we love it. That's so great. And, you know, I think the the idea of a next-gen pastor is a model that so many churches are adopting, that we've talked to a number of next-gen pastors, and it's it's very common to see it. You know, maybe it's zero through 30 or Different churches have different definitions. Maybe it's kids and youth, but um, I would say it's rare mm -hmm. to talk mm -hmm. to someone who's also like hands on in young adult ministry as a next gen pastor. Like you're you're investing mm -hmm. in young leaders for sure, um, yeah. raising up you know kids pastors, youth pastors. But then the idea of being like hands on with young adults, mm -hmm. like talk about that for a second. How like do you enjoy that? Tell tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, I enjoy it. I, for me, um, you know, I've never, getting into ministry, it was, people would talk like, well, what's your five-year plan or what do you want to do eventually? And I, I've never been wired that way. In, in my top five strengths, I'm, I'm futuristic, yep. but I've never thought about what does that look like as far as like climbing a ladder for, for myself or anything or, or a call to a demographic of ministry. I've always honestly just come with the mindset of, I just, I've just said yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just been about people for me. And I just know that, God is the one in charge of seasons, and so God will let me know when a season is over, and he'll open doors when, the, when new opportunities present itself, and um, just really kind of trusting and, and relying on that. So I love specifically what I get to do with our young adult ministry. It's been phenomenal because uh, I get to oversee, yeah, I get to oversee a lot of leaders um, with, our, with our students team and with our, with our children's team. But also being kind of hands-on with our young adult, it brings me from like a, an up here, 30,000 feet, 30,000 foot view, um, and it really kind of takes me down to being with people. And, and that really, if I'm honest, like that's my heart is, is the day-to-day -day relationships with people. It's why I love ministry so much, and it's why I love what I get to do so much because of that. Yeah, that's so good. Matthew, how did you actually find yourself in young adult ministry? Like, was there a transition? Was there just a handing of a baton? Or was it simply you, somebody seeing a need and you were the one to help meet that need? Yeah, I, I, both, you know, a, a little bit of both. Um, it, it, again, like I said, I've always just said, I've always just said yes. And it's always been about people kind of for me. I actually didn't want to get into young adult ministry because I felt like a lot of people thought, well, you start in student ministry then you go to young adult ministry and then maybe you'll transition to, you know, some adult ministry um, somewhere else or maybe an associate campus pastoral or whatever it may look like. So I really stiffed on the idea of young adult ministry for the longest time. Loved my friends in ministry who were doing it. I've got close friends who were doing it. 
and always had an appreciation for them, but it's not something that I ever wanted to do until about two years ago, come December, I really started to feel a burden for the generation that was in the young adult ministry. Like it was deep in my bones and I couldn't shake it. At that time, it, not even knowing at the time, a really dear friend of mine who was at, who was at Gateway at our South Lake campus started feeling uh, a burning in his bones to transition and to go back to the workplace and to go back into, uh, to go back into the secular world, to the business world. And so it kind of just happened naturally yeah. at that time. There had been two student pastors at our South Lake campus, um, or excuse me, two. We call them ministry coordinators. Yep. Um, essentially, they they they're they're kind of my right hand in student ministry. That I had kind of helped in kind of raising them up and really thinking, I'm kind of working myself out of a job here. And, and so they're doing this better than I am. They they're building great relationships with our leaders and our students. They're phenomenal communicators. And so it was this natural. As I transitioned to young adults, we got to promote them to be the to be the youth pastors at our South Lake Amazing. campus. There's this beautiful passing of the baton on both ends. And I just think that really that's what leadership's all about. Right. It's about raising other leaders and continuing to give away platform and giving away opportunity. Um, that was modeled for me by my by leaders and mentors in my life. And so I hope that I can model that for other people that I oversee as well. So again, I just kind of said, yes, God kind of did it and and gave me the burden before the opportunity presented itself. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, this is what that burden was for. Right. That's amazing to see. Like, <clears throat> I think that'll resonate with not only us, but everyone listening is mm -hmm. if you're listening to this right now, you clearly have a burden mm -hmm. for the next generation. And it's yeah. more and more becoming generation Z as millennials get older and older. And right. so do generation Z. And, you know, we're holding baby Aurora. She's part of the alpha generation. We found out that that'll be the next generation after that started mm -hmm. the beginning mm -hmm. of right. the alphabet. Right. But, I just look at like mentors and leaders and, and grabbing onto that phrase that you said for a second, that's such a key part of mm -hmm. discipleship and, and mentorship and leadership is the idea of somebody gave you a shot, somebody gave you a chance, somebody opened a door and invited you in to a seat at the table. And now that you're there, mm -hmm. it's like your opportunity, possibly even like a mm -hmm. obligation in a good way, like a calling that you get to do the same for others. Like right. somebody set a place at the table for you, you get to do the same for others now. And when we chatted, Matthew, not too long ago on the on Zoom, you and I, like one of the things that stood out to me most actually was the distinction you kind of crafted between gatherings and groups. And you have this philosophy mm -hmm. of ministry that you shared in regards to like stemming from two questions. One, what can like what can we not do in a service let's do that in groups mm -hmm. and what can we do in groups that we can't do at a gathering and like vice versa and i'd love to dive into that topic with you can, can you share a little yes i would love it um uh, yeah you know the that that philosophy that idea for me came from i think it was a podcast that i listened to with a pastor named john mark comer who's out of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. Um, somebody that I have, uh, really his, his writings and teachings have really kind of shaped uh, how I pastor and lead today. But he was doing a podcast with a good friend of mine named Annie Downs. Uh, she has a podcast called That Sounds Fun. And he had said, his philosophy at Bridgetown, he had said, they, they filter everything through the lens of, what can we do around a table that we can't do around a platform? 
and what can we do around a plat what can we do around a platform that we can't do around a, a table the platform meaning the gatherings the larger gatherings and the table meaning the small gatherings a small group and community and 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 just when i was talking to you when i heard that there is something about that that like my, my soul like left it resonated with me so deeply and i thought that that's it like that is putting language to things that I have been feeling and wrestling with for so long because I believe in the gatherings. I, I love them hundred percent and I can't wait till we get together again. But yes. I also believe that, that the gather what are, would make the gatherings beautiful is when the gatherings uh, around the table happen prior. So I believe in church around the, the, the platform and I also believe church around the table, but I believe that when church around the table uh, happens before church around the platform it makes that it makes it that much more effective and it makes the church that much more powerful um, it, it, it's harder to do I've always said groups and community is harder to do it's harder to find the win it's harder to establish your goals or your measurables like what does that look like besides the fact you can have tons of groups but how effective are those groups how do you measure that what does that look what does a win look like in those groups um, and so sometimes I think that especially here in the West we uh, maybe our goals and measurables or our wins are maybe a little off because we're so numbers driven. Right. Um, and, and so how do you, how do you, uh, you know, quantify life change or discipleship or spiritual growth? Um, so I think it's the harder way to do, to do ministry and to do life in general. But I also believe it's the most effective to make yourself a more healthy, not just human being, but a healthy follower of Jesus. I think a lot of my personal growth has come from community, and 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 it's it's kind of putting me through the, through the fire. Community doesn't always look like people who look like you, talk like you, vote like you, believe like you. Uh, community and well-rounded community is going to challenge you in those areas, and it's going to make you a, a, a better follower of Jesus, in my opinion. And so if I'm if I'm coming out the best version of myself I can possibly be, and then bringing that to a gathering, like how powerful is that? If we if we kind of all modeled. Uh, modeled it that way and so I've, I'm a firm believer um, in in the gathering and I'm also the church on the platform and I'm also a firm believer in church around the table um, it, like I said it's it, it's harder um, it's more difficult but like the low-hanging fruit is the gathering right like that's the win and I think that's why a lot of churches in America right now are so hungry to hurry up and gather because that's the easy win. It's like, hey, I, we can, when people show up and we can put that into church metrics and then we can put that in our spreadsheet and we can manage our growth, that's the easy win. It's not, it's, it's not a bad win, but it's an easy win. The harder win is, is planting our roots deep and going deep with community and people and groups and church around a table. Um, that's what I think Eugene Peterson calls the long obedience in the same direction. Mm -hmm. That's where like discipleship has taken place. That's um, that's where spiritual my hope, spiritual maturity, and spiritual growth is taking place. Um, I wouldn't say my community comes from the weekends. That's like that's my hey, how you doing? It's good to see your face. We can celebrate together. That we can we can worship together. We can hear and listen to God's word together. Um, but community happens out. It's between Sundays for me. Absolutely. Matthew, I think it's a great illustration of what we're designed to do. We're designed to do life together, not just on Sundays, not just on a Saturday night, not only on a Friday night, but throughout the week. And I think Josiah and I, we've worked in ministry, each of us, at least 10 years separately, whether we're involved, whether we're leading, whether we have, you know, become the main leaders of the pastoral, you know, staff or whatever that we have and overseen. But the awesome thing is that we've seen so much growth happen 
between some of the young adults that we've been doing life with between 18 to 25. Yeah. You know, they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're, they're hearing the voice of God. They're taking their relationship to the next level. And I think so many individuals, you know, we protect ourselves. We guard ourselves because we w- we're willing to have a surface level conversation. And maybe that surface level is a Sunday. But until you come into my home, you maybe not, you won't know a lot about me. You know, you don't. Right. You don't see every aspect. I mean, hopefully, Josiah and I, we hope that we are the same people in our home as we are out, you know, at the grocery store or on stage or whatever we're doing. And what we've seen is a lot of young adults um, kind of outgrow young adults. You know, like we have some people who are 25 and now they're 30. And what the confusing part is, what happens after I'm 30? Do I go to the men's group? Do I go to the women's group? Um, Do you just cut me off and I can't ever come to your house anymore? And I don't know if you've experienced that. So Matthew, I would love to hear where you guys are at as a church and as you are leading, um, how would you break down um, the young adult ministry at Gateway? And what does that look like? If If there's a listener who's just starting out, maybe who's trying to reorganize their organization charts or whatever, what insight do you have on that topic? Yeah, so young adults at Gateway Church looks like 18 to 29. Okay. Um, and and if, let me be totally honest too, because I think there are a lot of, we we haven't hit our, are we going after the, the young professionals? Are we going after the college age? Right. Like, what, is, what exactly are we going after? And I think the answer to that is yes. Right. We're going after the young professionals. We're going after the young marriage. We're going after the college. We're going after all of that. And our hope is that on a, on a gathering, we gather on Tuesday nights. Um, for us at Southlake, pre-COVID, it was every other Tuesday. Um, we're the only campus that actually doesn't meet on, uh, on site. Um, reason being is we didn't have a room that could fit our size of gathering accordingly, meaning our main auditorium seats 4,000 people. And then the next, uh, the next the next room that we have is our it's our room for our fifth and sixth graders and that's going to hold a couple hundred and it's very kid friendly and so we just didn't have a, a if we yeah. if we put our young adults in our in our auditorium it would swallow us whole well, room uh, dynamics are so key especially oh, with young adults they're yeah. huge and what what we have said is everything speaks but yet room dynamics are key. and and i think it's not um, they don't need an, a level of professionalism, but there is a certain level of excellence that I think they require and look for. Um, it can happen organically or whatever it may be, but if there's, a, if there's an excellence in whatever you have, um, it doesn't matter how flashy your building is or how not flashy your building is. If you have a level of excellence in carrying ministry out, that, that speaks to people. So what we were doing originally is we were just meeting at a coffee shop and we, we would rent it after hours and uh, we would cram our people inside this coffee shop. Well, then we kept hitting fire code and we couldn't no longer meet at this coffee shop, which is such a good problem to have, yet it's still a problem, right? Um, And and thank God, right down the street, uh, a block away, there's an old old historic theater called the Palace Theater. And we just, it was ended up being cheaper to rent the Palace Theater that seats 400 people. than it was to rent the coffee shop after hours. So God just kind of opened up those doors and we've been meeting there. And what I loved about it is we're in, um, we're in downtown Grapevine, uh, which is, you know, 10 minutes from South Lake. It, it backs up to South Lake. And, uh, and we're right there in the street. So people walking through are like, hey, what's going on here? And so we're inviting them into the building. We're inviting them to church. And we just wanted to, Gateway is, is because we're, we're a large church. Really? We do on a very professional level and yeah. so we kind of wanted to strip down that professionalism keep the excellence yep. but strip on the professionalism and just make it like 
we have a few pop-up banners and we have acoustic worship up on stage and that's it like we just wanted it just nothing flashy um nothing flashy at all so we meet every other tuesday so on the tuesdays we don't meet we push heavily for groups uh get in the community get plugged in after every message we speak whether it's myself or somebody else that i've asked to speak we say hey your your challenge for this week is when you're in your community groups and you're in your small groups hey here are the things that we want you to talk about there's never uh there's not going to be a tuesday night where we're gathering where we're not pushing groups in some way like that's always going to be the next step the next action step is okay what do we do from here hey this is what you're going to talk about in practice in your group oh you don't have a group hey go meet lizzie and austin they're in our next steps area they're going to get you connected in a group because we want the two questions are we want the culture around our our young adult ministry to be is when somebody's new or when somebody's just getting involved the two questions we want them to be asked is where do you serve and what group are you in yeah that is the heart and not even serving we want our young adults serving in the young adult ministry, yes, but more importantly, we want them to be plugged into the lo our local church as a whole, our house. Not just our ministry, but are you serving in kids' ministry? Are you a greeter? Are you an usher? Are you part of our prayer team on the weekends? What does that look like for you? So we want them serving the house and the vision of this house more so than even just serving the young adult ministry. Right. Well, and talking about like picturing walking into a young adult ministry as a brand new visitor and you're like, okay, this I, I resonate with this, you know, the mm -hmm. stripped down the acoustic worship, just the vibe of young adults itself. Mm -hmm. It's at, you know, either the coffee shop or now it's at this theater and it's in the community. And then, I mean, the question I would ask is, okay, like I'm coming, but how do I get involved? And so I think that that's actually the question everyone's asking is like, especially in an age where now gathering is on pause, not right. exactly, but you know, mm -hmm. it, but for now. And so it's like, okay, how can I get involved? And I think that you answered it of like, groups and then serving, uh, small groups and serving. And when you think about it, when you serve with a team and maybe you're on the coffee team, maybe you're on the worship team, maybe you're on, you know, the parking lot team and, but you're with a team mm -hmm. and you get to serve and that's almost like a group in and of itself. So I think that's like, that's one of the benefits mm -hmm. of like, Oh, I saw this guy at the grocery store and now we're playing softball on the same team. Right. I see him on Tuesday nights and then, you know, we're serving every other Sunday or whatever. And I think that that can help different touch points of like community happens. Like you said, some of the best conversations are not from the platform, but they're, you know, mm -hmm. in groups or they're in homes. And so let me ask you this to follow that up, whether it's groups or serving, what have you found to help groups thrive? Like whether it's a new group starting or even during COVID now, like what have you found, Matthew, that um, just as a pastor, as a leader, shepherding the leaders who shepherd the groups, what have you found that helps the group stick, thrive, continue, and grow beyond just, you know, like showing up, but really belonging investing. and, yeah, and investing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, so when I first started ministry, I was working in a church in Los Angeles and Matthew Barnett's, the, the whole philosophy for the Dream Center was find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. Mm. That, was, that was our focus. That was our ministry, okay. that was our vision, that was everything. And so when I think of groups, uh, it's, it's find the need and fill it, right? What, what, what is the need of your community? What's the need of your demographic? Oftentimes, I think, for me at least, I wanted control over groups, had to look a certain way. We had to go through a certain curriculum. We all had to be on par. Don't let any groups grow rogue. There's danger in that. All of these misconceptions. And that was just me as a leader wanting to be hands-on. 
Dang. right? Instead of being open-handed and say, okay, what's the need here and how can I help fill that? We have a young adults uh, softball league. That's a small group. We had so many of these small groups popping up that now the, the young adults at South Lake have overtaken a whole softball league. Come so on. we just have our own league and yeah. the, the small groups play against each other, right? And so that's been a great that. way because I think for us, groups have been a, uh, an open door into our church. Yes. Mm-hmm. If I had to be okay by saying if, if somebody is only attending small group and is never attending our Tuesday night gatherings, I have to be okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love it if our group attendance actually uh, exceeded our, our gathering attendance. At the end of the day, like, am I okay with that? Is my ego okay with that? Is my pride okay with that? Like, yeah, I've come to a place where I'm saying yes. It's now, it's now there. And so if a group wants to have a softball small group, if they want to go through um, this certain book. Now, if it's going to be a gateway group, I would say um, there are books that, that they're going through. If I'm kind of like, hey, I actually don't know about that. I would never tell anyone, just so we're, just so we're clear, I would never tell anyone to stay away from a certain book. Or, hey, that author's dangerous. You should probably not read them. I, do, I would never encourage that. However, I would like to read the book first. And then I would like to just, if I have pause in my spirit about it, if I've got like, I just don't know, mm-hmm. then I'll meet with a small group leader and say, hey, let's, let's walk through this book because there are some things here that Gateway would disagree with theologically. And so let's discuss those. And is this, is this are you passionate about this book or could we maybe do another one? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of going, go, kind of going from there, but never just saying, "Hey, we're not going to read anyone from this author." Um, uh, I think, I think Christians almost invented the count, uh, cancel culture a little bit. Uh, uh, I don't know. Hey, that person that he's no longer in our in our line of belief, so we're not going to read him anymore, mm-hmm. or we're not going to we're not going to hold that book in our bookstore anymore, or we're not going to talk about or quote that person anymore because they said something pretty off. And so, I, you know, it, that's not kingdom culture at all. But I think Christians almost even started that within our tribes of. Uh, who we believe and who we don't believe and who we're reading and who we don't want other people to read. That's a whole nother rabbit trail for another day. Um, But uh, so yeah, I think we've been really open-handed with groups. We would like for them to all happen on the Tuesday nights that we don't gather. But if that's not good for for other people because of work and they want to gather on a Friday, great, gather on your Friday. If you want to gather on a Saturday, like whatever that looks like for you and your community, do that. Uh, That's a need there, great. You're feeling the need, awesome oh, there's not a group for your specific thing that you want a group to be. Like, uh, you, you want a group to be a rock climbing group and we don't have a rock cr- climbing group. Hey, let me train you on how to be a group leader and then you start that rock. So good, Matthew. Matthew, I love that you are showing that you are a leader that caters and is aware of the sheep's needs. Meaning you see that men maybe need to bond side by side or maybe even girls co-ed games with softball or baseball, whatever leagues they're playing, they can bond side by side. They can get to know each other by engaging in an activity. Yeah, sharing and that's, experience. Yeah, sharing experience. That is a yeah. form of seeing a need and meeting that need. I remember I led a Bible study and I was used to be a fitness instructor. And I was like, I know that these women that I'm, you know, with that are friends, like they're longing for three things. They're longing for community. They're longing to exercise and be physically fit for God's kingdom. And they want to learn how to cook. So what we, I would do is I'd invite him over. I lived in an apartment that had a studio. I had, I asked the people, I was like, hey, Tuesday nights, can I be in the studio? Can I teach a Zumba class or whatever class with my Bible study? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So we would do, we'd focus on our physical fitness and then we'd go make smoothies. So everybody would bring a fun ingredient. So then we would nourish our bodies and then we'd get into the word for about two hours. 
And it was just phenomenal to see like what God was doing. Like women's lives were being changed physically, emotionally, spiritually. And there was a community built in. So we would see each other's on Tuesdays, special events um, through the young adult group that we were leaving on Thursdays. And then Sunday we were serving side by side. So to see people get plugged in and have those touch points at least two to three times a week Mm -hmm. with their with their crew or with a potential new best friend, I think is awesome. And like you had said, like there are many things that we could do in a big group and then that we were limited to do in a big group. And same with a small group in your home, you know, there's a certain limitations. So would you just take it one step deeper, Matthew, of like, what have you found specifically about your gatherings and services? Like, can you just speak to the listener today about what have what has God been exposing through those two different um, levels of intimacy, but two very different places? Yeah, no, so good. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the gathering first in, in our gathering when we could gather and when we will again someday. Yeah. Uh, we again, I, I'm a I'm a fan of the local church. I'm a fan of corporate worship. I'm a fan of uh, the corporate gathering and listening to God's word and learning mm-hmm. God's word corporately together. I think there's power in that. I do believe there's power in numbers. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about when people gather and they worship and, or people gather and they're hearing God's word and then they go out, right? I always, we always say this, and this is not a quote original to me. This is a, probably, I think, Erwin McManus from Mosaic Church in, in Los Angeles. That um, if, yeah, I, I, I'll say this, I've stolen it from him. And I always give him credit. Well, tell our people on Tuesday nights, if you're in here and you're a Christian, the church isn't for you. You're the church and you're here for the world. And so our goal is, like, especially us being in downtown Grapevine, our goal is when we dismiss, hey, yeah, you can chat around and hang out and have coffee, but what we want you to do is we want you to go out into the city, go out into the community. There's tons of restaurants along this street. Go eat at a restaurant. Go wherever. Do whatever you want to do. Be, be a follower of Jesus to your waiter or your waitress or your bartender if you're going there. Like I'm not going to say that from pulpit, but if wherever you're going, I want you to show Jesus to whoever it is that you are at and impact your city. So don't just take what you've learned here on a Tuesday night, but go out like right now and implement that at these restaurants that you're going out to, whatever that may look like, right? Um, and so, yeah, there's power in those numbers. There's power when we gather corporately. I think we've all seen the power in that because we all have seen the need of wanting to gather again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and our heart and our heart for that. Uh, with our smaller settings, what we've also seen is those are those are really kind of our evangelism tool. Uh, there's a book, it's an incredible book, I'm forgetting the name of the author, but it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And um. it essentially says that the dining room table is the modern day pulpit. And man, like that quote in there is, it, it, that's, that's worth the book in general. But basically, uh, inviting people into your homes, inviting people into your intimate spaces, or inviting people into your life. It doesn't even have to be your home. So somebody may be listening to this and say, well, I live in a really small apartment. I can't really do that. Okay, well, invite them into your life. What does that look like? Um, you know, discipleship is not uh, discipleship is not adding people to your calendar. It's including them on your calendar. That's good. And so I don't need to add. I don't. I, I don't have space in my calendar to add anything else. But I'll include people in on that. You know, and and I, and I'll make that a priority. So if the if the dining room table is the modern day pulpit, what exactly does that mean? It means there is something powerful when you gather around a table, you break bread with somebody, you slow down. And, and you, you are, are able to establish the, the, the art of eye contact, which is a lost art. Uh, totally. It's become a lost art. 
Uh, because what happened is, and right now we've seen it, thankful for technology, but the eye contact looks like this on our phones. Yep. Right? It's just, it's a constant engagement with our screen. But when you, when you're sitting across from somebody and you're looking into their eyes and you're hearing about their story, their journey, their victories, their defeats, and you're able to share your own, or you're just able to say, man, me too. Like, I know what that's like. I've been there. Uh, there's power in that. That's, I think it's Anne Lamont that said the greatest sermon ever preached is the word me too. That's going to sit with people. That's going to resonate with people. And you get an opportunity to do that when you're at a table with somebody. So good. You know, there is a depth of intimacy with God that he offers. Mm -hmm. There's a depth of intimacy with just people when they're in your living room. I heard one pastor say that he believes that he has not pastored someone until they have been in his home and he's been in their home. So good. And and that just, it's a paradigm mm -hmm. shift in right. in thinking of like, okay, what is church? How do you define church? Is it a building? Is it a people that are called by God that gather together? And so I think the idea of eye contact that you just shared and just depth of relationships that mm -hmm. people are so longing mm -hmm. for. And, and where I'd go with this question, Matthew, is just both conversations I've had with you, it's, it's about the deep things. It's, it's past the surface level, <laughs> even though we're just still getting to know each other. It's, we've, cruise controlled way past the surface level and it's yeah. to the deep, the significant, the spiritual, the more lasting, important things in life. And I just look at like even the authors you've quoted during this podcast and the other mm -hmm. conversations, but John Mark Comer and, and reading his book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which came from a conversation that John Ortberg and Dallas Willard had. And then you back up one past that, it's like Eugene Peterson, and you go further than that, it's like C.S. Lewis, and you can just, these deep wells of knowledge, and, and so this question is about the deep things of God, and I just know that you're in tune with the deep things of God, and so if somebody's in their personal leadership, not satisfied, mm -hmm. they're maybe, they're, they're like a deer that pants for water, and their soul is mm -hmm. like longing to drink deeply of God, as A.W. Tozer says, like, Take them to the majestic God, the, the mysterious, and even the mystical. Like, how can, how can a, a young leader drink deeply from the things of God? Gosh, that is, that's a great question. Oh, man, because I, I, I have been there, right? I've been, I've been that younger leader that I just, I wanted to read all the things, listen to all the podcasts, all the worship music, all the sermons. And I just, and I, what was happening to me in that, in that season, though, is I was becoming, um, I hope this isn't an offensive term, but I was becoming almost spiritually bulimic. I wasn't able to digest what I was listening to, reading. It wasn't sitting in my soul and my spirit. I was listening to it, and then I would throw it back up to anyone who would hear it. For sure. Wow. Yeah. I know that's a graphic way of picturing it, and so forgive me if that's too graphic or maybe even offensive, but I, that, was, that was me. I would absorb something, and then I would admit whoever I could tell about it, I would tell about it instead of just letting it resonate, letting it sit with me, letting it challenge me, um, letting it disrupt me. Um, and, and I think that was the thing that I did, that I had the issue with is I didn't want things disrupting me or disrupting my belief system or disrupting what I thought discipleship should look like or be, or disrupt what I thought my relationship with God would be, or even my idea of God, uh, of what God should be. There's that quote that says, um, and I don't know who I don't know who said this, but it, he says, uh, or they say, uh, God made man uh, in His image, and man, being the gentleman that He is, returned the favor. 
and wow. oftentimes our idea of God looks like what we want. <laughs> I heard that one. Like, and it's like, man. So I, I just think for for the young leader or just leader who's listening to this, I would just challenge them to when you're reading, when you're listening, when you're worshiping, whatever it may be, whatever the new book is or whatever it may be, let it sit with you. Let it move you. Let it disrupt you before you move on to the next thing. Because we live in a culture that is so fast-paced that once we're done with this book or this podcast, we we cue on to the next one. It's that Netflix. Are you still watching? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm still watching. Like, don't disrupt this. I want to go to the next one. Instead of instead of just letting something sit with you and 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 shape you, because if you let if it, if you let if you let it sit with you, you let it disrupt you, disturb you, then you let it shape you then you can let it move you to action. Mm-hmm. And it's transformation that happens from the inside out. And I found for me, I'm not saying this for everyone, for me when I was, when I was um, just starting out, and, and again, I'm 35 now, and I sometimes go back to this as well, where I wanna continue reading and continue learning and, and growing, um, that oftentimes I found that's not even so much my hunger and thirst for God as much as it is my hustle and need to prove my worth to God. Mm. Uh, God, look how much I'm reading. Look how much I'm learning. Hey, everyone who's listening or watching or following me on social media, look what I'm doing. Look at the new important book I'm, I'm listening to or reading or whatever it may be. And that came out of a hustle mentality. And, and man, I think God is anti-hustle, mm-hmm. right? I think they say that, that love moves at four, four miles per hour because that's the speed of walking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I want to I do things slowly. Mm-hmm. And I want, to, I want my, my hunger and my chase for God to even be slow. If it's a long obedience in the same direction, I don't want to miss a thing by putting myself on the fast track. I want to go slow. I want to move slow. I want to pray slow. I want to read scripture slow. I want to do all things slow. And the one thing for me that I've always been in, and I'm probably, the listeners who are listening probably caught this in the very beginning, is I'm a fast talker. (laughs) I feel like acknowledge, slow down, Matthew. Like yeah. slow down, take a breath. Yeah. Uh, so you're not rushing on to the next quotable line. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I mean, I just look at the two words that you said that are like kind of mutually exclusive of hustle and hunger. Mm. This idea that the depth disrupts us. Mm-hmm. And I, I get this picture of like barbecue or whatever your favorite food is because yeah you marinate and it Mm -hmm. it melds and it's like it you know we have two things we have over there there's a instapot that we use for like hot teas hot coffee but then there's over there a a crock pot and we sometimes me i've i've approached i've i've approached like the instapot approach and expected crock pot results instead of like (laughs) approaching the crock pot approach and expecting the crock pot results or an instapot that's fine but then you will get instapot results and i think that speaks to the very nature of the deep things of god is Mm -hmm. he has a different pace his ways aren't our ways his thoughts aren't our thoughts they're higher so i i love this man that's speaking to me well, I think that's so good because even what Matthew, what you were saying is, I think when we hear, even you say the word slow, something that comes to my mind means if I slow down, I'm not going to be productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, that's like, that's just, I think the, the culture in which we live, slowing down means you don't care. Slowing down means you're, you don't commit to anything. Slowing down means 
you know, whatever it means for anything. So even just slowing down our talking, I talk fast as well. So I try to pull back, pull back. But I mean, I think when, even when God, when the word says, be still, like be still and know that I am God, like being still and quieting our mind, our spirit, our soul, and surrounding our calendar in the process. I think when we're on the crazy rat race of life, I think so many times we, you know, look back and we're like, what just happened? Yeah. How do those six months go by so fast? Are we being productive? How are we measuring our results? Am I deeper with God or am I just skimming the surface of everything he wants to, you know, like the crock pot? Am I throwing up those prayers and be like, okay, Lord, if you want to do this, then that. Okay, next. And we're forgetting to yeah. thank him after he's done something. So I think I've been in a season of just like, well, COVID season of really sitting back of like, who am I becoming? Who do I want to become? And what does God need to expose to me? I've been reading again. I've read this several times. Matt Most for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Mm. And just um, this last week, he was on sanctification. And sanctification, and what, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And it has to be like, you have to be so, I'm going to butcher it, but I'll say what I, I'll interpret it my way. You have to be so annoyed by your selfishness and all of your things going on in you that you have to take it to God and realize like, oh, well, that's nothing new. Like sanctification is a process for God to reveal something that's not new news to you about yourself because you're in tune with yourself and the spirit speaking and prompting your soul. So I think when I hear the word slow down, I'm like, I just need to slow down, you know, like even having a baby has caused us to slow down and reprioritize. Totally. If I have something on my checklist and I have two things I get done out of 10, I'm like, well, that was a productive day. <laughs> Right. When we were single, I'm like, boom, 10 off the list. I'm like, okay, but I shouldn't be living for the check off my list type thing. Yeah. That has a list. I'm like, make list, check. <laughs> Just like so it have something on a piece of paper that looks like I got something done. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I don't know how you guys feel about Enneagram and, and, and all, all of that. Ah, but it's, I'm, a plus. it's a pro. Uh, we're for awesome. it. Yes, I um, Enneagram has been a tool that has really changed my life. It's a tool. It's not the gospel. It's just a tool. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled upon this beautiful tool about, oh man, seven years ago. Oh, you were uh, early. I was at a I was at a breaking point. I was spiritually unhealthy and I was spiritually bankrupt um, to the point of uh, if I'll, I this is before I came to Gateway. I was working in another church and and I'll just be honest. I I knew I was in trouble when my wife and I had gotten in an argument and she left the house and the first thing I reached for was a, I made myself a vodka Sprite uh, and it was 10 a.m. in the morning. And I think maybe some of the listeners are judging me for drinking at 10 a.m. and the other ones are drinking or judging me because I was drinking vodka Sprite. Regardless of how you're judging me, I was unhealthy in right. my spiritual life, in my walk, in my marriage. And, and so I flew out to go see a friend of mine in, in San Diego, California. His name's Mike Foster. And he's a beautiful, beautiful soul who, who showed me the Enneagram, who showed mm. me the school. And I found more about the one about what does it look like to care for your soul and mm-hmm. what does spiritual health look like? I know there's a, there's a great book out there called emotionally healthy spirituality, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. the leader. All of those are phenomenal books that I would recommend. Um, but I discovered I was an Enneagram three and being an Enneagram three, I, I am driven to perform. I'm driven for success or to at least appear successful and achiever is high on my list. And so I was going to go to achieve success or at least appear successful um, at, at the risk of, of really losing my soul. And almost, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say almost losing my marriage. I was on the road to losing my marriage had I continued operating that way and, and still being in ministry. So it was all in the name of doing the Lord's work, right. which 
Mm -hmm. is, is in, I think a lot of us get in that unhealthy mindset of we have this hustle mentality because we think, well, the devil never, the, the devil never sleeps. Like if the devil never sleeps, then why should I? I'm like, yeah, but guys, like the, the devil doesn't win. <laughs> so, you know, so like, why am I going to model my life after the enemies who, who doesn't sleep, who's always roaring like a, like, or who's always, you know, uh, roaming like a roaring lion, you know, why would I model my life after that? When I know at the end of the day, it's me as a follower of Jesus. It's me in Christ that has the victory. Right. And so I had to reorient my life to slow down. And also, and what was successful to me is success numbers or speaking engagements or traveling or is success obedience to God mm -hmm. and sometimes obedience for me has meant a lot of times saying no to a lot of things so I can say yes to the right thing That's and funny. and so I I had to do the soul work of, of one the, the Enneagram helped me the, God and 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 Jesus and the Holy Spirit helped use Praise that God. tool in my life it again Enneagram did not change my life but God used that tool to help change my life and right. so I'm grateful Right, Matthew, I think that's such a great reminder that none of us are exempt. Yep. None right. of us, we all fall short of the glory of God and it can be anywhere in our spiritual journey. Like so many things can happen. There could be a death in the family and we, we turn to the wrong thing. We don't turn to God, we turn to fill in the blank, whatever mm -hmm. our weakness is. And that's where I think the enemy can rear its ugly head yeah. when we're not in tune with ourselves or we're not in tune with the spirit. And so I think for the listener today, if you find yourself in a similar situation, maybe like Matthew shared is to seek out the help for your mentors. Maybe so you get good. some, you need to go to a counselor. Maybe totally. you need to step out of a, a role and a position because the stress is impacting and ruining your family, your family life. And just helping getting those things under control. So Matthew, I just want to thank you for sharing a deep part of, of your, your story with our listeners today, um, which kind of leads us, Matthew, to the next part of our session that we have. We love this part because it is five in five. So this is five of your final thoughts in five minutes or less. Are you up for the challenge? So rapid fire. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm up. I'm up for, I'm up for the challenge. Let's, let's do it. Okay, here we go, Matthew. Question number one. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Oh, man. Uh, three words. I would say introverted, stubborn. <laughs> oh, man. Introverted and stubborn. And probably, I'll go back to introverted again. Yeah, I'm that introverted that I'm going to say, I'm going to give that word twice. That's, that's I'm cheating. I would never guess that you're an introvert by our conversation oh, today. Man. I love you. <laughs> I do. I love, I love people. I love community. I love, um, I love what I get to do. I love the large mm -hmm. gathering. but what fills me up is either being home by myself or being with a close, close group of friends that give me life. That's what's going to fill me up. Um, I love, I love the large stuff, but I often drive home and I'm pretty drained. So yeah. Sure. There's only three of us. Question two. Yeah. Yeah. Filling you up. For the double dose of introvert. Listen, I'm gonna get in my car after this, and I apps. This is gonna fill me up. This conversation. So you guys right. are, are you guys are Well, speaking of words, Mike's question was about words. This is also about words. Um, are there any words that you live by? It could be a quote. It could be a tweet. It could be, man, a verse. It could. Sky's the limit. But are there anything? It's a phrase or a word that you live by. Yeah, um, I would say recently on this, um, there's an author named David Brooks, and he talks about the two mountains of life. And I think I'm finding myself now on that second mountain, where the first mountain, it's like, 
it's success. I want to, I want this house and this car and this. And once you get to that top of the mountain, you realize you're still unfulfilled. Right. And you, mm-hmm. and you, you want to get to that second mountain. And so I think on this side of, of life, the thing that is, that is changing my life right now is a quote by a, a gentleman named Abram Heschel. Uh, he wrote a book called The Sabbath that that book has changed my life as well. But he says this, he says, I didn't ask for success. I asked for wonder. And so that has been my prayer to, to God every day is God, I don't want success. I want wonder. Give me all the wonder in the world and help me move slow enough through life where I can catch the wonder. Wow. That that's is amazing. That's great. I'm writing this down. I asked for wonder. All right. Okay. This is the curveball, Matthew. Are you ready for it? Okay. Question three. Okay. Curveball is if you could ask us one question today, what would you ask us? Leaning okay. in if you can't see him. And I know you can't see him. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I would ask this. I would say being new parents mm-hmm. and, and pastors Good idea. In, the middle of a, in the middle of a global pandemic, what do you know about God now that you didn't know in March? Mm, wow. That is a good question. Talk about going deep. That's amazing. Go yeah. I'll give a stab at it. I think of, um, our baby girl is cute and sweet and you got to see her, Aurora. So, I mean, they handed her to me. It was an emergency C-section situation. So Uh Mike is like getting her needs taken care of and they're like, she'll be with you in 15 minutes. It's just me and baby girl. And I'm just singing to her. I'm just praying over Uh her. I'm just talking. And you know, anytime she would fuss like a diaper or she's hungry, I I would just say, Hey, everything's going to be okay you're in your daddy's arms. Mm -hmm. And then I was just thinking about the spiritual implications of that statement. And do I believe that? Do I live that out? And do I respond? Like she now responds the way I want her to respond when I say, Hey, everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're safe in your daddy's arms. So do I respond the way I want her to respond in response to my stresses in light of our savior? You know, that's, that's what I've learned. Oh my gosh. I think one thing that I've learned is, um, I just tweeted this the other day that we cannot out dream God. I think COVID has, um, allowed me to take my dreams and desires and and things he's placed inside of me and put hands and feet to them. Meaning writing is one of those podcasting is one of those, um, reading more is one of those. And I think there's so many dreams within me and I'm just like surrendering them to God the other day. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, like I give you all my dreams. And and I'm like, is this out of the wheelhouse of what you can do? And just like what he downloaded to me at like three in the morning, it's just like, you cannot out dream God. Like he's put every dream inside of me. How can I out dream what he's burdening my heart with? So I think that's one thing that I've learned in the pandemic is we're never too, we're never too young or too old to stop dreaming or to start dreaming. It's never too late. So I think that's one fun thing that I've learned. Um, yeah. So I just kind of been reflecting upon that. So Oh, Josiah might have something else. Mm-mm. Oh, he's got the next question. That's okay. what he's excited for. So we were sitting there last night, going to watch one of our favorite um, Amazon Prime shows last night. And he comes downstairs. He goes, oh, have I got a question for you? And here's the bizarre <laughs> this question. This is that question. <laughs> okay. I asked it to her last night. It comes out on the podcast with you today. So we're going to go serious, then she'll go deep. And that'll close it out. This is question okay. four or five. If every time your phone rang, or instead of like a ringtone, Instead of a sound, if a smell of your choice came out of your phone, 
what smell would you choose? There would be a list that you could put the check mark by any smell. It just couldn't be a sound you hear. It would be a smell that you sniff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one. I love that. And I would say it, it would be, this sounds real pretentious. There is a fragrance that I love. The, the brand of this fragrance is called Lalabo. And Lalabo has different scents. And the scent that I love is a scent called Santal. And it's like woodsy and uh, it's got some vanilla notes to it. It's just, it is, it's, I smell like uh, a rich socialite in New York. <laughs> you know, it's so, <laughs> like, I just, I love that smell. I can't afford it, but I love to smell it. So I would, uh, I would hope that I would smell that every time my phone would buzz. That Great answer. Well, may we so, never lose our wonder. Let's just get real here. Okay, so Matthew, here's the fifth and final question. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing today, what, would you, what would you leave them with? Honestly, it, it's, it's to work on your soul. Do, do the hard work, do the soul work, mm -hmm. because the greatest gift that you can give to your family and the greatest gift that you can give to the people you're leading, it's not who you are, but it's who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. And so who are you becoming? And do that hard work, do the soul work, whatever it looks like, whether it's uh, meeting with a spiritual director, whether it's uh, getting a counselor, yeah. whether it's just finding mentors mm -hmm. in your life to, to question you and ask you the hard things. Um, the mentors in my life do not let me get away with easy answers or false comforts. They just don't. They challenge me. They disrupt me. Um, they love me enough to call me out. And because uh, they, they care about me, they care about my soul. Um, but they can care about my soul all that they want. I have to be the ones to care about it, right? I have to be the one that's willing to put in the work. And so to our, to our, our listeners who are, who are listening right now, what are you doing that's working on your soul right now? We're in a season that things are slowly starting to open up. Gatherings are going to start taking place. We're going to go back into whatever a new normal looks like. Yeah. And, and more importantly, not what books did you write during this season or what messages did you, did you produce or not. I, I would say like, regardless of what you produce in this season, how have your roots in Jesus and your foundation in Christ, how have those gone deeper because of the soul work that you've done. So that's, I mean, it boils down to just work on your soul. The greatest gift you can give to the people you lead, it's who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. Wow, I think to yourself as well, like, man, you talk about a great quote, like sometimes people will say, do something that your future self will thank you. Maybe you do something your future spouse will thank you. But man, when you work on your soul, your future self, others around you, what and God, mm -hmm. like, well, your what future it, becomes your present. I think sometimes I'm futuristic too, Matthew. So I think when we focus so much in the future, we forget who we are in the moment and we put it as like a mile marker and then we just settle in that. And it's like, no, God's called us to live in, you know, higher heights and deeper depths and with and everything else with him. So yeah, yeah. what a great challenge to leave us with and the listener with today. Amazing. <laughs> so Matthew, thank you so much for the conversation today, for your time, for your friendship. For joining us and listeners you can find out more about matthew hernandez and gateway church as well as their young adults when you check out www.youngadults.today as well as social media and the show notes will have links for you as well until next time thank you matthew. so much fun thank you you guys are a gift i appreciate it absolutely
Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.